Good morning. This morning's Bible reading comes from James chapter 1, verses 18 to 27, and can be found on page 1216 of your Bibles. James chapter 1, verses 18 to 27. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at their face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed with what they they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep the tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Hadi. Good morning again. How are you going? Uh, Our question this morning is what is a Christian? What is a Christian? Um, That's a big question. Apparently, 2.18 billion people in our world call themselves Christians. Uh, It's a personal question, uh, probably because, uh, well, you might call yourself a Christian, but you also might have people in your life who call themselves Christians, uh, but you kind of think maybe the way that they act and what they say doesn't line up. Uh, So it's it's a big question. It's a personal question. I'm also told that eternal, uh, it's, it's a question of eternal significance, Right? Eternity hangs on that question, what is a Christian? Um, so it's big, it's personal, and it's of eternal consequences. So I thought we'd talk about it this Sunday. I also thought we'd talk about it this Sunday because two weeks ago, um, we had our affirmation service. And I don't know about you, but I loved it. In fact, if I can say this, I think it was my favourite service in two years. Uh, it was my favourite service in two years because... We heard from four people that in the past year or so of their lives, they've come to a place where they want to call themselves a Christian. They want to be a Christian. And it was just wonderful to hear their stories, wasn't it? Um, I loved it. But it struck me that um, to to become a Christian, all it takes is to accept what Jesus has done for you. To become a Christian, all it takes is to accept what Jesus has done for you, which means it can happen in a moment. 
in an instant. You can become a Christian. Um, and I'm sure many of us in this room know that moment. Perhaps you remember that moment. Um, but what struck me about that was my experiences and what the Bible says is that to be a Christian every day after that takes all of you. To become a Christian, all it takes is to receive God's word. To be a Christian, each and every day following that, it requires all of you. It takes all of you. And that is actually what James, the brother of Jesus, is famous for getting to the heart of in his letter to the church. He will tell us that to be a Christian, it takes all of you. Um, Last week, we saw Alec, uh, or two weeks ago, we saw Alec get baptised. Do you remember that moment? Graham splashed water on him. Um, Well, baptism represents new birth. Baptism represents new birth. There's a lot of water in new births, I'm told. Um, One of the biblical metaphors for becoming a Christian is new birth. Have a look at James chapter 1, verse 18, the first verse that Hattie read out to us. It says, He chose to give us birth, or some translations say new birth, through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. New birth is one of the biblical expressions for what it means to become a Christian. But the thing about birth is that birth's just the beginning, isn't it? We don't find babies under cabbages and then um, leave them there. We find them under cabbages, we give them to storks that deliver them to mature adults we call parents so that the parents can help them grow up. At least that's how I understand the story. You can fill me in later. Um, Please don't. No, I'm good. Um, The point being, birth is just the beginning. And so we can't leave our definition of what it means to be a Christian just at the beginning. We have to think about what it looks like to be a Christian, to become, to grow up. And that's what James wants to talk about. A whole new life comes with new birth, doesn't it? A new person with a new identity, a new, a new family, a new home to live in, a new culture around it, a, a whole life in which to become. New birth. Um, and James uses another word to describe what it means to be a Christian. He uses new birth there, but he says, have a look at verse 18, the end of it. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Can everybody say first fruits? One more time, first fruits. I was going to get you to underline it, but then I realized we were using different people's Bibles. Well, not your own Bibles, right? So don't underline it. Don't tamper with it. First fruits is a description of what it means to be a Christian. Now, it's, it's a word uh, that I'll have to explain to you because the last time you said first fruits, apart from 30 seconds ago, I imagine was a very long time ago, maybe when you read this passage. First fruits is an agricultural term, firstly. 
I like to think I know a little bit about agriculture. My father-in-law is a farmer, so by osmosis I've learnt a, th a few things. First fruits is the initial and exemplary part of a crop. The initial and exemplary part of a crop. So when a farmer at harvest time goes out to view his crop, he picks a little bit of the fruit, whatever it is, he might taste it, he'll do some experiments on it, and that will tell him about what the rest of the crop's going to be like. The second thing about first fruits, uh, it's not just an agricultural term, it became a religious term, uh, because what the Jewish people would do is, at harvest time, they'd collect the first 10% of the harvest, and they would give it to God. They would dedicate it to God. They would say, God, this is yours. It's for no other purpose than for whatever you want to do with it, it's yours. It would be set apart or made holy to God. So first fruits represents the future because it tells you what the rest of the crop's going to be like and it represents something that is holy to God. What James is saying is that Christians are an example of what the future of the world looks like. Christians are an example of God's new world. When God restores the world, we're meant to be a foretaste of that right now. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? Uh, but how do we do that? Well, we do that by being holy unto God, by being separate to God, for having no other purpose in our lives than to please Him. So that is what a Christian is. A Christian is a taste of the future. A future in which a new creation perfectly worships God. That's what a Christian is. What a huge aspiration. And so James paints this picture of what a Christian should be, what the church should be. We should be first fruits, a part, a taste for this world of the new world. I, I don't know whether you've been to a bar recently, um, but these days you can go into a bar and you can ask for a taster. You know what I'm talking about? Of different beers or different wines, so you can choose your drink. Well, Christians are meant to be a taster of what this world will one day have. I find that pretty exciting. We're meant to taste like that now. So how do we become that? How do we become that taster? Well, like every good sermon Matt has, I've got three points for you. Um, James has three points for us. A Christian is someone who hears God's word, who does God's word, and who looks like God's word. And I want to uh, work through those with you this morning. But before I do, when I say God's word, or actually when James says God's word, it's interesting to think about what he means by that. What he means by that, I think first and foremostly, is the message we have from God about his son Jesus and what he's done for us. That's God's word to us. Um, but the whole Bible is about that message. And so I think he also means the whole Bible. And on top of that, the Bible often speaks of Jesus as being God's word. And so when he says, accept God's word, do God's word, look like God's word. I think he means all of those things, but especially he means Jesus himself. Um, so that's what I'm going to refer to. Is that all right? Little definitions? We can do that. Yeah, we're family. Okay, cool. A Christian is someone who hears God's word or humbly accepts 
God's word. Let me read to you verses 19 to 20, 21. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. I wonder what adjective would describe at the moment how you receive God's word. What adjective would you use at the moment to describe how you respond when you read the Bible, when you hear about God's message to us, the gospel, or when you think about Jesus? How do you respond in that moment? How do you respond? There's a few different types of hearing or listening, aren't there? One of them is uh, pretend listening. I've made these up. Um, I'm pretty good at pretend listening. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm smiling and I'm nodding, and then a few seconds into the conversation, maybe 30 seconds, maybe a minute, maybe two minutes, I realize I haven't heard a word of what that person said. Just me? Just me. Okay. There's pretend listening. Sometimes we're there, but we're not really there, if you know what I mean. There's selective hearing. Uh, anyone? Maybe you know someone like this. You're talking to them, and they repeat back what you've said, but they only remember a few things, maybe one of the things, maybe half of what you asked. Then there's biased listening, where maybe you hear all the information, you comprehend it all, but you've got your own opinion about it. You don't think you're going to learn anything new and uh, you're ready to give your opinion. James says there's another type of listening. There's humbly listening to God's word. Uh, I don't know what you're like when you receive God's word. Is it pretend listening? Is it selective? I like this bit, not that bit. Is it uh, biased listening? I know what this means. I've got this down pat. Or is it humbly receiving God's word. It's interesting to me that James, um, I would say when he says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, it sounds to me as if he's just nitpicking different personalities. Right? It's like, hey, don't be so harsh on the person who talks a lot. They're cool. Um, but I actually think how we listen and how we speak and how quick we are to become angry tells us a lot about our heart. In fact, Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I know this. I know that how I listen and how I speak tells you about my heart. Do you you want to know why I know it? I know it because the other day, I listed all the reasons that I have to interrupt someone in a conversation. Just... All the reasons in my mind, you know, we don't always explicitly think them, but when we reflect on them, we know what they are. Um, All the reasons I have to speak quickly or to get angry. Here you go. I don't know whether it's you, maybe it's just me, but often when you're talking to me and I butt in, it's usually because I've thought something like this. I know more about this. I've had more experience. I know the answer. I've got a degree in this. I'm right, you're wrong. My point of view is more valid. You're boring me. 
You don't really make much sense to me. This is a waste of my time. Ever thought some of those things? Just me, again? And so how we listen and how we speak actually reflect what's going on deep inside. And so one question you might have right now is, well, how do I become humble? How do I become humble? Yes, Matt, that's like me. How do I become humble? Well, I reckon Proverbs like this in James, because it sounds proverbial, doesn't it? Be quick to, quick, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Sounds proverbial. I reckon Proverbs can work both ways. Those traits can show you who's a humble person. But by doing those traits, you can also become a humble person. You should try in a conversation, and all of you do because you're a lovely bunch of people, but try to be quick to listen and see what happens. You might find the other person can teach you something. You might find you'll learn something you don't already know. You might find that that person is a little bit interesting and they think differently to you. And as you learn those things, you'll start to become humble and have a humble heart. The same is with God's word. If we become quick to listen to it, what's this saying to me? I won't be selective, I won't be biased, I'll actually listen. What can I learn from this? You'll find yourself turning into a humble person and humbly receiving God's word. Let me ask you, what adjective describes how you receive God's word? Is it humbly? Um, the smallest muscle in the human body is called the stapedius, uh, or something like that. Someone will correct me later. Um, it's the smallest muscle in the human body, and it's in the ear canal. It's right in there. And it helps your body... Um, receive sound vibrations and it helps to limit those vibrations. I think one of the reasons that God has made the smallest muscle in the body, the one that controls how loudly we hear things, because he knew we needed to hear things loudly. We needed to hear a lot of things loudly and so he made sure that muscle was very small. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Use that muscle that you have. Uh, that's something else. I'll tell you about that later. All right. What is a Christian? A Christian hears God's word. A Christian also does God's word. A Christian does God's word. Rudyard Kipling, the author of The Jungle Book, said this, Gardens are not made by singing, Oh, how beautiful and sitting in the shade. Any gardeners in the room? You know it's true. I have four or five pot plants on my balcony and they are not growing by me sitting indoors. They need help. Please help. <laughs> Garlands are not made by singing, oh how beautiful, and sitting in the shade. They're made by doing something. But this is how we usually treat the Christian life, isn't it? We are thankful for what God's done for us. 
We'll share it with others. We might even sing a song of praise about it. But then we go and sit in the shade. We do nothing about it. Thanks to the great work of the Reformers in the 16th century, we know and believe the truth that we are made righteous not because of our works, but only because of Jesus Christ. But we often forget that Christians are made righteous before God so that they might live rightly before Him. Christians are made right with God so that we might live rightly before Him. And James says we're deceiving ourselves if we know it, if we know what it is to be a Christian, but if we don't do it. But if we don't do it. Um, Before my wedding, I decided to go looking for some marriage advice. Good idea, right? And I happen to have in my life an ex-chief of the Defence Force of Australia. He knows a little bit about doing things. And um, so I went up to him and I asked him, can you give me some tips on how to be a good husband? He gave me three. I only remember two. Um, And I think I only put one into practice. But at least I'm trying to put it into practice. He said to me, Matt, when your wife, Naomi, says, take out the bins, do it. Just do it. Um, Don't agree that it's a good idea that the bins should be taken out. Don't agree to a time when they will be taken out. Just do it. All the women, all the married women in the house are saying amen. All the men, married men in the house are saying guilty. Take out the bins because she'll know that you love her. You can show her how much you love her by taking out the bins, by doing it as soon as she says, do it, just do it. Some of us deceive ourselves by saying, I'm a good husband because I know my wife wants me to take out the bins. Don't deceive yourself if you know it, but don't show it. And the truth is, I feel much better about the husband that I am. I feel much Uh, freer, I know that I have loved my wife when I've done it. The same's true with God and how we respond to His Word. Trust me, it's better for you. Let me give you one evidence that you are a good doer and not just a good hearer of God's Word. Do you want to hear one evidence? Um, Oops, I'll come back to that. I just wanted to keep you engaged. Let me give you one evidence that you're a good hearer, a good hearer and a doer, not just a hearer. At the end of that passage, verse 25, James says, they will be blessed in what they do. They will be blessed in what they do. Now, this is a proverb, right? It's a generalization. What I mean by that is that sometimes the Christian life can be really hard. Sometimes there are circumstances in your life that are beyond your control and not everything will go well for you. And I don't think that's even what James is saying by they will be blessed in all they do. But I think what he is saying is that if you go God's way and if you make decisions to act on God's word, you'll be blessed in what you do. Let me put it like this, speaking from experience, The people Christian pastors spend most time with and keep up late at night 
are really good hearers of the word, but not very good doers of the word. They're people who know the Bible through and through, but because of decisions that they've made in their own life are not what God wants them to do, they create more problems for themselves than answers. It's like self-inflicted pain, struggle. And I think one of the reasons we're nervous about putting God's word into practice is because we don't trust that it's good for us. I love, in the Anglican prayer book, it says, when we gather together, uh, we meet to hear his most holy word and to ask those things which are requisite and necessary as well as for the body as the soul. Let me bring that from the 16th century into the 21st century. I think what he's saying is, God's word is good, not just for your soul. This is not just about disappearing into heaven one day. God's word is good for your body now. So do it. Put it into practice. My final point, or actually, I need to show you this. And it's the only time I will ever put something like this up on the screen. The smallest muscle in your body might be the stapedius, which is in your ear. It's two millimeters big. The largest muscle in your body is your gluteus maximus, your butt. Why? Because it's the primary anti-gravity muscle in your body. That means you need it to do anything, just about anything. I think God has given, has made the largest muscle in the body the butt because Christians are meant to get off their butt and be doers of God's word. <laughs> is that all right? All right. My last point. My last point. Uh, Christians are people who are hearers of God's word. People, Christians are people who are doers of God's word. Christians are people who look like God's word. That's the third point. Christians are people who look like God's word. Um, has anyone heard of Reddit? You know Reddit? Reddit is an online um, forum for any discussion topic you might have. Anything you want to know, you can type it in there. People will give you their answers. Um, there's a craze about one at the moment, and it's called the fridge detective. And what happens is people post a photo of the inside of their fridge, and people try to guess everything about them based on the photo of their fridge. Um, a scary thought, right? What would people think about you if they went home right now, opened up your fridge? Would they be able to guess who you are, where you lived, what you did for a living, your age, your sex, your location? Um, I like this image because it reminds me of Jesus' words, by their fruit you will recognize them. <laughs> read, read with me, along with me, verses 26 to 27. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself, uh, keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is a bit of a litmus test of whether or not you're a Christian, that passage. And I've always felt a bit uncomfortable about it because I don't know many widows I don't know many orphans, and if I do, the government's taking care of them in many ways. Um, and so I'm like, 
oh, how can I do this? Am I a Christian? Uh, I think James's point is, do you look like Jesus? If somebody opened up the fridge door of your life, would they be able to guess that you're a Christian? If we opened up the front door of your life right now, today, what you're doing today, how you're spending your time, your money, your energy, what you're listening to, what you're thinking about, the things that you do in your life, would people go, new creation, a taste of the future, something pleasing, something good, something I'm excited about, a humble hearer, a diligent doer of God's word, a picture of God's future. What would people guess you are if they opened up the fridge door of your life? A Christian is a hearer, a doer, and someone who looks more and more like Jesus each and every day. That's a challenge to us today. And I'm going to pray that God would make us humble hearers, diligent doers, and people who look more and more like Jesus. Can I do that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, thank you for your word to us. We thank you that many of us in this room, most of us in this room, have humbly accepted your word. We've accepted what Jesus has done for us. And we're here today at church because we want to find out what is good for the body as well as for the soul. And, And we come to Jesus, we come to him to find that out. But Lord, as we've heard today, we don't just need to be hearers, we need to be doers, people who put it into practice immediately, not later, but today. And Lord, we ask that what we have learned today and what we will learn as we come to you, as we read your Bible, as we have morning tea and we talk about things with one another, we pray that we would be people who put these things into practice. And Lord, we want that because we want to look new. We want to be a part of your new creation We want to be your future, your kingdom here on earth right now. We want to look like Jesus. So make us more like him today. Amen.